Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today. Praise God. Now, please take your Bibles and go with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I want to show you two verses, and then we're going to receive the tithes and the offerings. Praise God. Based upon these two scriptures. Now, Acts 10, verse 38, it talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now I want you to notice just for a moment, the statement that Jesus went about doing good. My friends, that's one of the great reasons that God wants you to be wealthy. That's one of the great, please listen carefully. I'm going to say this boldly. That's one of the great reasons God wants you to be rich. To be rich means to have a full supply. It means that not only are your needs met, but you're in the overflow. Praise God. Because money allows you to go about and do good just as Jesus did. He had a treasurer. He had 12 men full time on his staff. He had a treasurer and he had extra, and he would go about doing good all the time. And God wants you blessed. God wants you prosperous. That's why you need to be a tither. That's why you need to sow financial seed, because you want God to take you higher in the financial trajectory so that you can be a greater blessing. You know, it's, it's interesting because earlier, uh, actually just yesterday, my wife and I received an emergency phone call and someone on the other end of the line was with someone who just had one of their teeth explode in their mouth. Um, and the teeth, the, the tooth was wore down, but something happened and suddenly there was an explosion and the, there was a raw nerve that was exposed and Pain was shooting through this person in the most incredible way. Now, these two had gone to the dentist, and that's from the dentist office they had called us because they didn't have the money to have any of this oral surgery uh, done. So guess who they called? They called my wife and I, and Kelly and I just knew in our hearts, we're going to do this. And you know what? I... I am mindful of what D.L. Moody said, the great evangelist. He said, you're never going to get anybody saved in a church meeting when they're sitting there with a throbbing toothache. <laughs> and so, by the way, this is a couple that I've witnessed to before and have been pretty cool to the gospel. But in a moment of need, they reached out to us. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, that's wonderful. I guess you just reached into the church treasury and took money out. No, 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 no. I reached into my personal treasury, my own wallet, praise the Lord. And my wife and I, we decided to cover this person's dental expenses. Well, Pastor Stephen, isn't that nice? You paid the $200 bill. Well, add another zero. 
on there. <laughs> These things are expensive. And so, my goodness. But, you know, I've, I've had a time in my life before where I had a root canal. This was maybe uh, when, Ke when Kelly and I were first married, and I had like an explosion in one of my teeth. And uh, it was, the pain was off the charts. <laughs> so, um, when we received that call today, I kind of had flashbacks, and I'm thinking, I know what that's like. This person is, is in a hell on earth right now. But my friends, again, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who, uh, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good. Having extra allows you to act like Jesus on the earth. Now, you may not have, of course, that level of a healing ministry, and he's going around getting everybody healed and things like that. But you know what? He was also going around and doing good. And you need extra for that. You need God to bless you financially. Amen. Praise God. And I just share that today as an example, as my wife and I have had numerous opportunities, most of which we don't even talk about, but uh, of stepping in and doing something to help somebody at a moment when they desperately need it. And let me, let me tie this scripture in with it also. It's Acts chapter 20, verse 35. The Apostle Paul said, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Can I tell you, and I know many of you know this, but can I tell you and reiterate that one of the greatest feelings, and if I could use that word feeling, and I'm not I'm not just trying to lightly use that word, but it is. It's one of the greatest feelings that as a human on this planet, you can ever experience, which is to bless somebody and do good to somebody. And it, and it means something to them. It, 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 it changes them. It stops pain or it opens a door or it allows them to go through a door, but you're able to give and bless in a way where it brings happiness to those people. And you know what? It's hard to describe how it works, but it brings actually a greater happiness to you. <laughs> now, now, somebody that doesn't understand this might think, well, how can that be? You're not the receiver. You're the giver. Yes, but Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive because it's the person that's the giver that is experiencing uh, not only that sensation of being really of being like God, but also the, the privileged position of also sowing because it's the sowers that also, of course, get the harvest. But my friends, God wants you blessed. And I know that there would be some, even in the church that would say, Oh, we shouldn't focus on money and, and, uh, stuff like this. But, but, the reality is we are living in a world where we are surrounded by hurting people all over the place. And you can't help everybody all the time. You would deplete yourself, but you can have those moments where you can play that role of good Samaritan. And whether it's put in that good Samaritan, put that man who was beat and wounded and thrown into a ditch to die. He put the man in a hotel and he paid for the hotel. And it's not like just because we're a couple of thousand years removed from that story 
that hotels back then were cheap. There's just like today. <laughs> Anytime you want to stay somewhere overnight, stay in a hotel, motel, whatever you want to call it. Uh, hey, you're going to have to pull out your wallet, put some money up. Mm -mm. And the good Samaritan had the money to do that. And God wants you to also be in that role, whether it's something like my wife and I, we were just able to pay for somebody's dental work and you know, whatever it might be. So it could be, it could be just as simple as, uh, you're out and about and you see somebody, their car has died because they've got a dead battery. Well, why don't we just forget trying to jump this battery and do all this silly stuff and let's just walk over here or drive, you know, jump in my vehicle. Let's go over here, uh, uh, and get, get your new battery, you know, go, go to Walmart, get your new battery. Or there's, you know, all, all of these auto stores that are all over the place. Let's just pay for a new battery. So it, whatever it might be, whether it's $20 or $40 or $400 or $4,000, God wants you to be in a place of an overflow so that you are blessed to be a blessing. And it's the one that's, that's giving that's in the greater position than the receiver. Although of course the receiver's mighty happy, mm -mm. but you know what I'm talking about. So that is why it is so important that we tithe and that we also give offerings as we're led by the Holy spirit so that God can trust us for greater measures of prosperity so that we can be a greater blessing in the earth. Many Christians say, Oh, I'll do a great thing if God just gives me a great amount, but they won't. They won't give the $20 for that desperate need. A person's over there starving, has no coat. <laughs> you can find, you can go to, uh, you know, Marshall's or Dillard's or so, go to the clearance rack, get the person a coat for $20. <laughs> I don't have $20, Pastor Stephen. Well, you may not have 200, but you could probably pull together 20. Mm -mm. But my friends, God wants you in the overflow. God wants you to be rich so you can be a blessing. Lift your hands and say, Lord, make me rich so that I can pour out to others. Praise the Lord. Now, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. You know, there's been a lot of talk about the great end time harvest and the wealth transfer. I've taught on that. There's many scriptures to justify that in scripture. But we have to understand that to receive that, is not for the purpose of like where we could just go out and buy 300 pairs of shoes or, you know, have some kind of have some kind of a, you know, wild spending spree at the mall or something like that. It's so that we can use it as leverage to bring people into the kingdom for the preaching of the gospel <laughs> and all of these other areas in which we can use it for good. Jesus went about doing good. You need to be empowered to go about doing good as well. Now, Having said these things, let us now honor the Lord with the tithe, which belongs to him, which is 10% of our income, 10% of our increase. And also let us also give offerings as the Holy Spirit leads. The offerings are on top of the tithe. The tithe already belongs to the Lord. We are tithers. A tither is a person that systematically brings the 10% into the storehouse of God. When you do that, you establish a financial covenant with God. Mm -mm. Woo! And you position yourself for great increase. And I see it coming greatly 
upon your life. Now let's honor the Lord. Let's bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord. For those of you that prefer to mail them in, please send your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, zip code 28654. Now for those of you that prefer to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so from anywhere in the world, day or night, doesn't matter your time zone or anything like that. Just go to the website, stephenbrooks.org. On the homepage, there's a link that has a red heart on it that says give. Click that, and you can bring your tithe in right there. Now, we also have an orange banner that says projects, and you can click on that. And you could sow seed. You'll see, like, for example, the Pure Gold television program. You can sow into that, give an offering into that. That keeps the television ministry going and growing by God's grace. And thank you. Thank you for your giving. Heavenly Father, bless your people. Bring them into abundance. Bring them into overflow so that they can be fully in the image of Jesus, going about doing good, going about doing good. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, um, a couple of years ago, I was in a meeting, and the conference host told me something that, that just happened to a friend of hers. And uh, this friend of hers was a, a, a fella, a guy. He's in the mall, and uh, for whatever reason, he decided to go to the mall to, I think it was a Macy's or something like that, uh, yeah, there in the mall. And he, was, he said, well, I'm going to go make my uh, monthly payment on my credit card. And he almost had the thing paid off, so he's just going to go in there and knock it out. So um, he's in line to make a payment on his credit card. Wasn't even, as far as I know, wasn't even shopping for anything or buying anything. So he's standing in line. He's like five people back from the cashier. And the cashier is working with the lady. And uh, the cashier uh, said something like to the lady, well, your card, your card won't go through. And the lady said, well, I, uh, pl please try it again. And uh, so the cashier tries the lady's card again, doesn't go through, and the cashier was real nasty. The cashier even tried to humiliate the person, say, well, maybe you've, maybe you've maxed it out. Maybe there's nothing available on it or something, you know, and really was. Uh, and so the cashier just said, well, you need, to, you need to get out of the line. You need to, you know, because, you know, it's not working. And the man standing in the back, like five back, he, he just uh, with kind of lifted, lifted his voice and said, I'll pay for it. And he starts, uh, pulls out the credit card, starts walking up there. And the cashier said, oh, no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> he said, I can do anything I want. I can spend my money any way I want to. So the cashier was actually taking delight in humiliating that person for whatever reason. Who knows? Maybe having a financial struggle couldn't buy that little item that they were wanting to buy. And that person said, oh, no, I'm going to pay for it. You, you're going to accept my credit card because I'm, I'm, you know, I've got, I've got the store credit card even. So you're going to absolutely, he said, I'm paying for her product right now. <laughs> you can go about doing good in all kinds of ways. Amen. As the Holy Spirit leads you. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, today, I want to talk about some secret areas of winning spiritual battles, when you get into spiritual warfare, uh, you don't want to have to start running at ground zero and 
reinvent the wheel. Amen. You want to, you want to learn from mentorship and really what is mentorship? It's learning from someone else's pain. It's learning from somebody else's experience so that you don't have to start at ground zero and start going up. And so I want to share some things that will help you, uh, win in areas of spiritual battles, sometimes also, especially, especially when it's real hot, when the warfare uh, becomes very irrational and things don't make sense and uh, bullets are flying, as we would say. Let's talk about those type of scenarios today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5. Let's go ahead and uh, turn over that direction, Mark 5, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we are jumping into your word, let your Holy Spirit flow today with the spirit of wisdom and revelation coming upon your people, Lord, so that we can see these strategies of battle that produce victory. Now, Father, we thank you. You never planned one day where we would have failures and defeats, but you have made provision for victory, but we have to tie into it. So let there be light and illumination so that we can see these principles, techniques, and work them in our lives. Thank you, Father. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Excuse me while I take a drink of tea. Praise the Lord. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now notice that Jairus has made what we could call his statement of faith. He has heard about the power of God. He's heard about the ministry of Jesus and uh, he's convinced and he makes a tremendous bold faith statement. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Ah, Yes, there's times when you make that statement and you feel the presence of God. Hallelujah. Okay. That's all good. That's all good. Maybe you, you, you make your statement of faith and over in the corner, you see an angel with blue wings and his wings are going back and forth. And you think, Oh, I'm in the spirit today. God, God is watching over me and all that's good. All of that's, all of that's wonderful. So you make your statement of faith that she may be healed and she will live. Yes, it's good. The power is there. Your faith is on target. You're all in. And then things get, then things get really serious. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. I'm sure. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to go check this one out for sure. But then you have an intermission. You, uh, I don't know, could we even call it an interruption where something pops in and breaks 
that faith momentum that Jairus was riding on, and somebody else with a need of their own pops in, and, blessed be the Lord, they get their miracle. They get their miracle, but it took up time. It took up time, and time really was of the essence, as we would say. Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, the woman with the issue of blood has received a healing miracle. That's all wrapped up. That's good. Recorded in scripture. What a dramatic story. Preachers preach about it all the time. Glad we got it in there. But we've got to get back to Mr. Jairus and his daughter while he was still speaking. I mean, he's just wrapping things up with that lady. Just wrapping things up with that lady after her miracle. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Why trouble the teacher any further? It's over. She's dead. And this is now beyond anybody's control or power. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid. Only believe. Now, now we're in a totally different zone right now. Yes, Pastor Stephen, now it's time for Jairus to make another confession. Maybe go have him go stand on that boulder over there and say, surely Jesus. No, 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 no. We need to stop all of that now. It's not time for that right now. Well, Pastor Stephen, what is it time to do? It's time to be quiet and hold to what you previously confessed. Because the last thing you want to do right now is hear the report, which is not what you wanted to hear, and then respond to that. And then now we have a negative thing going on. And the next thing you know, the funeral that they've already started, in a sense, with all the wailing and moaning and groaning and all that processional that, that goes along with it, if we, don't, if we don't get control here, then we're going to have an all-out funeral for sure. But my friends, Jesus calmed him down. And what you have to do during times like that, when you're really in the thick of the fight, I mean, his daughter, she is actually dead. When you're in situations like that, that is not the time to say, I believe God, Jesus is my healer. No, 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 no. When you cannot say it with the force of faith and you cannot say it as a valid declaration of your faith because of the moment that you're in, you stay quiet. You've already made your declaration of faith. You've already done that. What, what is it now? What's going on now? The exam, you're in the, you're in the class taking the master test right now. No talking right now. You had your goal. You had your bold confession of faith before you came in and you're riding high. That's, that's good. That's good. That's what the anointing is for. It gets you riding high on faith. You hear the word. Yes, you're high on faith. But wow, we're right in the middle of this now. And, uh, she's dead. We know, and we know it. Okay. But just, just be quiet. Just be quiet. Don't, don't talk about it. You know, uh, just, 
Be quiet. So here's a secret in spiritual warfare that some believers don't know, which is that particularly in warfare, one of the great expressions of faith is silence. Because now the devil actually wants you to say something. He actually wants you to say something because the circumstances are almost overwhelming. <laughs> they are so negative and so dark now and so foreboding that now he would love for you to say something. But you know right now you can't because you, you feel the evil. You feel the weight that would be against you. So now is not the time to talk. Now is just a time to be quiet. Woo! Now, as New Testament believers, filled with the Holy Spirit, saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, you could potentially quietly pray in the Spirit. That's okay. That's acceptable. But there's also a place like in this where it, it, many times like this is almost like you can't pray. It's almost like this thing's trying to shut you down. What do you do? You stand. You be quiet and you stand. All of the effort and preparation that you have put into it is for this moment. And the Lord's right there with you. And you can't, you can't see him though. Jairus can see him. You and I can't unless we had a vision. But that's something that God would, would give if he chooses to. But again, so often you're walking by raw faith in times like this. What do you do? Again, you need to learn to stay silent. Verse 20, excuse me, verse 37. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. See, those are the kind of words the enemy doesn't mind if all of that comes out. All of that comes out, he doesn't care. There's no faith in any of that. So you have to be very, very careful that you guard this sacred treasure of your faith in your heart when you are right in the thick of the hottest battle that you've ever been. Mm -mm. I remember Dr. Norval Hayes sharing his testimony one time. You know, he went on to become a very successful businessman. He went on to become a very anointed minister of the Lord. But in the early stages of his walk with God, uh, he smoked cigarettes. And he had given his life to Jesus, but he had never gotten past the cigarette thing. And the Holy Spirit was dealing with him about the cigarettes. And so he made a commitment in his heart, Lord, I surrender that area of my life to you and I'm not going to smoke anymore. But as we know, these things can be strong influences upon our emotions because when you put a chemical substance into your body consistently, you've done it like that for days and all day long for years, you know, sudden withdrawal, you're going to need some grace. And Norval said the next day he was about to lose his mind because he said, I wanted a cigarette so bad. He said, I felt like I was about to go crazy. What do you do during times like that? You stay quiet. See now previously the day before Lord, I surrender that area of my life to you. I know you're dealing with me. I know I need to drop these dirty cigarettes as a dirty habit. 
and the next day comes though, and it's all it's all out war. <laughs> but by God's grace, he made it. But during times like that, it when it's real intense, you just have to stay quiet. You have to stay quiet and hold on to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Hold on to the Lord. Let's go over to John chapter 14, and you'll see even that Jesus followed, at certain times, he followed this principle. John 14, we're going to drop down now to verse 27. Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no, listen, listen carefully to what he's going to say. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Well, now, Jesus, if he has nothing in you, you should just be able to slap him around and beat him with no problem. Well, he is going to overcome this attack of the devil. He's going to overcome Satan. But still, you have to understand, there's going to be an engagement. And so while the Lord is pure, and there's clean, and it's not like the devil has any products that the Lord Jesus has an interest in, but even still, he's coming. And so the Lord is going to dial down conversation only to a very necessary level. He's going to talk very little on purpose and everything that he says is going to be extremely measured. I will no longer talk much with you. And that's what some of you need to learn to do when you are engaging in spiritual battle and the battle starts. You have to be fully focused and you can't do that. If you're yapping and talking and yapping and you're going full speed ahead and suddenly you are in the middle of this. No, you have to get quiet, brace yourself and go into it and hold to the faith. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. So the Lord wants to be fully focused. He wants to be engaged. He wants to be ready. This is it. The final showdown. Amen. So we're going to dial down the conversation and we're going to be very focused here because things are going to get real intense. It's like the little boat trying to cross the Atlantic ocean and you're out there too far out to turn back and you're way out there and you see clouds coming on the horizon and you look at your radar and it shows that it's a big storm, but there's nowhere you can go. You can't run can't hide. You, you're going to have to face it. It's coming towards you. So you turn your bow into the direction of it and uh, take the sails down or whatever the case might be, make the preparations and go into it and go through it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. Praise God. 
And we see that the prophets of old also understood this. It's like a secret of getting through tough battles. Second Kings chapter four, second Kings chapter four, verse 29. Then he, that would be Elisha, the prophet. Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. This is very interesting. This principle of when you are on assignment or you're going into battle, because that's what this is. Now we're in a fight of faith. We have another child that's dead. So when you're in moments like this, you have to dial the conversation down to only what is necessary. And Gehazi, he doesn't understand this level of anointing yet. Now the prophet's trying to bring him into it and was never able to get Gehazi to embrace the spiritual walk. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Don't talk to anybody. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, that's going to be rude. What would people think of me if they wave at me and I don't wave back? Well, I don't know what they're going to think, but I know what God's going to think, that if you start waving back, start talking back, you're going to lose the anointing. You're going to drop it. You're supposed to be carrying the anointing. So he's carrying the staff, a sign of the authority of the prophet's ministry, a symbol of God's healing power. But if, if you start leaning into these distractions and they, they work against you and you yield to them, they will absolutely pull you either out of the anointing or they will pull you out of that faith zone that you're supposed to stay cocooned in. And they're, they're going to try to pull you out. I've, I've, anytime I get into meetings where the Holy Spirit is ready to move, um, there are things that pop up that are so supernaturally bizarre, weird, and uh, you could call it out of the ordinary stuff that were never, ever happen if you're just having a nice normal day, or if you're having a meeting at the Rotary Club, or if you're having a meeting at the Elks Lodge or something like that, not that I go to those places, but if you're just having a secular event, stuff like this, it never ever happens. But the moment the Holy Spirit wants to move, then suddenly the most bizarre things come to either distract you or to tempt you by trying to pull you out of your zone of the anointing or of your faith zone that requires you stay in that or else it, the meeting's not going to be successful. Mm -mm. Wow. I was doing a meeting one time and I, about five minutes, it was five minutes till seven. The meeting starts at seven at five minutes till seven. I walked up to the pulpit and the pulpit uh, was one that was being used in a hotel lobby. So uh, not, excuse me, not a lobby, but a hotel conference room. That's where the meeting was at. So it was the hotel's, you know, pulpit. And I walked up to it and I noticed that 
the the microphone thing that comes up was loose and it looked like it was about to fall off. But I thought, well, that's no big deal because I'm going to be using a handheld mic, so that doesn't even matter. Well, I'm just looking at everything. I noticed that, no big deal. And right at that moment, another minister walks up who, if I could, if I could just maybe say it nicely, was always jealous of me, never really wanted to see me succeed or do well because he couldn't figure out really how to get his ministry going. So uh, his ministry has never really taken off, although there's a calling, but it takes more than a calling. You, there's other things you're going to have to do to work with God to get, uh, you know, get off the launch pad. Well, that kind of, you know, it would bug him or irritate him when, and he would still come to my meetings, but, um, sure enough, he walks right up right at that moment and says, Oh, Oh, Stephen, look at that. Look at that microphone. That looks like that's about to fall over. He said, we need to fix that right now. I said, no, I said, no, brother, I'm not paying any attention to that. He goes, Oh no. He goes, I, he goes, Oh, I'll go get some tools and we'll go, we'll fix that. I said, I said, no. And that's it. And I, I gave him a look like, I'm not playing. You're not going to pull me in because he, he actually knew what he was doing. Oh, Pastor Stephen, a, a, a minister wouldn't do that. Oh, you'd be shocked. Then there, there are some that never would. There are some that are holy and pure. All they want to do is serve God. Let God get all the glory. But there are others that are, um, they're edgy. They, they have, um, they have certain flaws and, uh, they're not really that concerned about fixing them. And others that have insecurities, whatever the case might be. But um, he was actually being used by the enemy to try to get me. And I just said, no. In other words, like, I'm not falling for it. No. <laughs> I don't care if the whole pulpit falls over. I don't need a pulpit. I don't even care if my handheld mic goes down. Don't need that either. I'll just stand here and minister to the people. But I'm not getting pulled out of the spirit. I'm not going to start using a screwdriver and start taking little parts apart because that will completely put that. I know that pulls me out of the anointing. Now, somebody else might think, oh, that's fun. Let's just go change the engine in the car. Then we'll go lay hands on anybody, give everybody a hand, uh, get everybody healed. No, I don't, I don't operate like that. And neither do these prophets we see in the Bible. And the prophet Elisha, who understood the anointing, which is you're actually carrying something. Don't fumble the ball. Don't drop it. Protect it. Um, he, <laughs> excuse me. He tried to get that, get that over to the servant <clears throat> by telling Gehazi, don't even talk to people on this assignment. Don't wave. Don't talk. Just stay on the task. Now, later, if you need to, after, after the miracle's over, okay, and the devil has lost, then later you can loop back and maybe go back and explain to somebody that you saw earlier why you couldn't wave to them. Mm -mm. Glory. Glory, glory to God. This is going to help somebody. You're going to run into moments like this where it's just about your moment. You're about to go into your interview. You're about to get your dream job. And right before you go in, maybe three or five minutes before you go in, somebody else 
sitting in that waiting room with you wants to start a weird goofball conversation and they have a spirit of confusion on them. And if you engage in that conversation, you're going to walk into that interview and you're going to fumble the ball. You're going to say the most goofy out of place things. The interviewer is going to think, well, I saw your, your resume. I really liked you. They're going to think we're not going to hire you. There's, you seem confused. Wow. Glory. Glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. This stuff happens anywhere, anytime spiritual warfare gets intense. And remember, so often one of the best principles is pull back, get real quiet, get real quiet. Just, you know, you, you smile and nod, but get real quiet and stay on assignment. You are fighting to hold on to your faith. And these things are all spiritual. So it's not like physically you can look at somebody or someone and size that up. But when something is going on with God, we should be able to get sensitive to this and respond in an appropriate way. You know, Kenneth Copeland said that when he went to work for Oral Roberts, that Oral Roberts, um, you know, the, the person in charge of hiring said, look, you're going to be uh, Oral Roberts' pilot. And you're going to also be his driver. So the rule is, is that when you're driving him or you're around him, you never ask him any questions unless he asks you something. And then if he does, you can respond. But you're not there to have conversation with him. You're there to drive him. And of course, Kenneth Copeland understood that as anybody normal would. Why? Dr. Oral Roberts is about to go into a great healing crusade. There are people who are deathly sick. If they don't get a miracle, they're either going to die or live the rest of their life in pain and agony. So he's carrying something. We know that you can't see it, but it's the anointing. He's carrying the anointing just as easily as a person could carry a cup of or a glass of water, or a lunch pail, okay? But he's carrying something way more important. He's carrying the anointing with him, and he's got to get it into that meeting and deliver it to the people. Once that's done, then you can laugh and talk, or whatever the case might be. But my friends, that was the rule of thumb. There's, there's no talking. Why? He's carrying something. He's carrying that anointing, and he's also protecting that anointing, which is why also before he would eat dinner, before the big evening meetings, he would eat in the cafeteria by himself. And nobody else that worked for him would go up to him and talk to him. Just let the man sit at the table. Oh, Pastor Stephen, he looks lonely over there sitting by himself. We need to go over there and talk to him, give him some company. No, he's just fine. He's happy, and he's meditating on the message, and he's also protecting and guarding the anointing that he has been generating and developing through prayer all day long. Praise God. Don't, don't spill it out. Don't pour it out by talking. Don't, don't dissipate the faith that you have on the inside of you through foolish words or a silly conversation that the enemy lures you into. Mm, just stay dialed in with the Lord. Stay dialed in with the Lord. Praise God. As you do that, God will come on the scene. Isaiah chapter 59, a very Beautiful verse, very well-known verse is verse 19. Let's take a look at that. Verse 19, 
so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the West and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Now let's talk about that just for a moment. The standard would be a war banner. That's what that means. It's it. Uh, sometimes people say, well, that means he lifts up a banner. Yes, but it's a war banner. But you have to understand just because the enemy sees a flag doesn't mean he goes running. No, it's a flag. It's a war banner flag because there's now strength to resist. So a good way to read this verse is to say, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up an armed resistance against him because that's what it is. And there can be times the fight is so thick and you're using your shield of faith. And by the way, when you think about the shield of faith, remember it's a spiritual shield. So it's, it's not like, it's actually, you know, in other words, I don't want you to visualize the shield of faith as that shield that goes over your arm and you hold it up in battle and you, you know, deflect the arrows and stuff like that. You know, at a basic level, you could see it like that, but the shield of faith is actually different. The shield of faith is like a uh, spiritual crystalline canopy that's in front of you, over you, and goes behind you as well. So as you build up your faith, that faith generates in the physical, it's an invisible force, but in the spirit realm, it's like an arc that goes out from you and irradiates around you. And that's actually what the shield of faith is. It is a shield going all around you, over you, under you, and it is able to block the fiery darts of the enemy. Praise the Lord. Now, when the enemy comes in, and he can come in sometimes, that's what these attacks are. He can launch like an all-out attack, and it's like a flood, and it comes rushing in, and you're thinking, whoa, Lord, whoo, he's bringing it today, you know, and he can do that. He can, he can bring these attacks. Okay, so when you're in these spiritual battles, or you find yourself thrust into something, then what you need to do Dial. Remember, you've already made your confession of faith. When he's come, when he's rushing in like that, and you maybe even feel weak, that is not the time to stand up on your bed and pull a banner out and a flag out, start waving around and saying, "I believe in Jesus." And no, no, no. Just stay real focused. Dial the conversation down, and just keep, keep guarding and protecting your faith. Amen. And what's going to happen is that the Holy Spirit is going to get you through this. Praise God. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up an armed resistance against him. Now, that resistance of the Holy Spirit against what the enemy is trying to do could manifest through you in something as simple as a song. You may just get a little song, maybe even the first uh, the first few words of the, st of the, of the first uh, stanza, and you start singing it. But the song actually came by the Holy Spirit. And as you sing it, it generates an increase in faith. It also generates an increase in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it starts to back, back, back off the enemy. 
Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Other times, it could be that right in the thick of a battle like that, a scripture floats up to you. And the enemy perhaps was bombarding you with thoughts, bombarding you with thoughts, saying, just give in to it. Just give in and do it. You know you want to anyhow. <coughs> and those attacks can come. But right in the middle of that, when he's coming in like a flood, the Holy Spirit puts now a resistance and a scripture could begin to rise up. And as you quote that scripture and meditate that scripture, the strength of the enemy begins to dissipate. And there can be other times where there is a pure release of God's grace and grace just begins to rush in and it backs the enemy off. And the next thing you know, you are strengthened not to give in. There is grace for the forgiveness of sins, but there is also grace, which is much less talked about. There is also grace to empower you so that you don't give in to that sin. Woo! Praise God. And that, that to me is one of the most beautiful representations that the gospel is real. That that's why it's so different from all of the other religions. Yes, we know it's also because we have a true savior who lived and died and rose again for us. We, so we know that part is um, priceless, but the proof though is in this power to actually live in victory. And that to me, that to me is more important than raising the dead. To me, it's actually a thousand times more important than raising the dead because throughout church history, we've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen millions of people healed. You know, when you look at all the church history, so that's all beautiful and good. But when you have these real encounters of the Holy spirit coming in, releasing grace, you're like, wow, now I have seen the power of God in a very, very personal way. <clears throat> and it is a beautiful thing. Praise the Lord. Now, in your walk with the Lord in these areas of winning in spiritual battle, remember, number one, there are times you want to dial everything down to the bare bones minimum necessity of what is needed to be said. Outside of that, don't talk. Guard the anointing. Guard your faith. Praise the Lord. And remember also that the devil is actually a defeated foe. And we know that from Colossians chapter two, verse 15. We know that from Jesus going down into hell and taking the keys of death and hell away from Satan and taking all of the old Testament saints out of paradise and taking them into heaven. And we know that by reading the epistles that Paul wrote that Satan has been defeated. But my friends, you have to enforce his defeat. So prayer will keep you from sin, but distractions can keep you from prayer. And that can lead to areas of great weakness. Well, the devil could, could catch you off guard or could launch one of these weird attacks. That's why you want to be very, very consistent with your prayer life. And this is another secret that I want to share with you that winning is anchored to consistency in your devotional life. 
Praise God. Let me give you an example. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go over to verse 4. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the mind of almighty father, God, you have been raised up when he raised Jesus up, he raised you up in Christ and you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Praise God. That is a place of authority. That is a place that emphasizes Satan's defeat and Satan is under your feet. Praise the Lord. But the reality of this scripture of verse six of being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, something that's already been done, not going to be done. It's already been done. But the reality of that, even if you have previously known it, that reality will begin to fade out. If you fade out of your devotional time with the Lord and you can look at that scripture and you can know it's true. I mean, you can read it and you can say, well, it must be true, but the experience of it will begin to fade out. If you don't maintain consistency, in other words, it must be a sustained prayer life. And by the way, let me say this, <coughs> excuse me. Prayerlessness will cause a Christian to develop a false impression of the devil of being the devil being this being who is so powerful and is able to send enticements and allurements that are impossible to deny. And Satan will become magnified to the Christian who is prayerless. Wow. It, there is a distortion of reality that takes place when you begin to yield your throne, when you begin to fall away from that nearness of the Lord, then you begin to get into that foggy area and the enemy, while he has been dethroned and he has been stripped of all of his authority and power against the believer, he is still a tremendous schemer and deceiver. And he is able to work through deception. He is able to work through schemes and lies and subtlety and sneakiness. So that's the area that you have to watch him because he's not this big, powerful thing. He, he has been stripped and defeated. So his leverage or his, what we would call his strength is in his ability to cast himself as something that he's actually not. But you could actually start to think that he is that if, if you drift away. Now he can still come in like a flood, even against the mature believer, but there's always victory in Jesus. Praise God. So my friends, you want to stay close to the Lord so that you can continue to enjoy the sweetness of victory that God has for you for every single day of your life. Praise the Lord. Everything bad is of the devil. 
Everything good is of the Lord. Now look at this very quickly. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear. Now here, my friends, is the emphasis of what is being said. He awakens me morning by morning. Notice it's morning by morning. It's not one morning I'm up, but then God will not see me again at this time for maybe another 45 days. Now, stop and think for a moment that if you wanted to get into exercise and you really were serious about it and you start and the first day you're there, you're, you're doing a great job. And then the next day you rest your muscles. And then the following day you come back and uh, you know, uh, you do this maybe for a week and your body is starting to develop a good habit, but then you drop it for four days. But then you come back again after four days and you try to work out again for two days. And then you take another three days off or whatever the case might be. It is inconsistency that causes people not to experience gains that they're wanting to achieve, whether they're wanting to get in shape, <coughs> excuse me, or whether they're wanting to just go out and walk and get their heart in shape so that they can breathe better and, uh, you know, have a more enjoyable life by being in shape. You know, if you're not consistent, you're not going to get the results that you want, but it's the same thing spiritually. If you want to be in a place where Ephesians chapter two, verse six, seated with Christ is something that you're dialed into and you're actually enjoying and you're liking it and God's working in your life. And even if you have challenges, it's okay. Cause you're in faith and you're knocking giants off. You're taking them out and you are possessing your promised land. That's all good, but you have to maintain that. And the way that you do that is through consistency. Woo. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Please, please be aware in the culture and age in which we live, which idolizes and worships recreation. Please be aware of the danger of what I call the spiritual vacation. Mm, wow. To go on vacation spiritually and to close your Bible, maybe not intentionally, but you're just not in the word, nor are you listening to good faith filled messages and you're letting your prayer life go. Wow. You can be in places like that where suddenly should a battle engage and you really need your faith to be online. You're, you could try to get a response and it's not there. And what unfortunately can happen in times like that, the wrong words come out, the wrong words come out words that you know, you shouldn't speak words, you know, that are actually contrary to against the word of God, but it's like, you can't control it. They just, they just come out. Why weakness based out of prayerlessness. Praise the Lord. But I see you merging into the image of Christ. I see you merging into Isaiah chapter 50 verse four, which is talking about our savior. 
Well, Pastor Stephen, how do you know this is in reference to Jesus, that he was awakened morning by morning? Because verse 5, the Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me. Who do you think that's talking about? This is prophetic foreshadowing of the Lord's experiences going towards Calvary. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. All of these things are in reference to our Lord Jesus Christ as he went through his great test, the ultimate final exam, and he passed it. And he passed it without doing a lot of talking. Did you ever notice when it's test time in the class, there's no talking. There's no talking. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So I see a new level of also consistency coming into your life as you are awakened morning by morning. It's just what you do. If you want to be in shape physically, you usually go to the gym or go to your home gym in the morning. Some people, some people have the discipline to do it in the evening. That's good. But a lot of people, they like to do it in the morning. Why? They realize that if they don't do it in the morning, it's probably never going to happen. Praise God. So you set your life according, according to what your priorities are. Number one, make heaven. Number two, take as many people to heaven with you as possible. <laughs> and of course, you want to walk close with the Lord so that your life has meaning and value, happiness that God intends you to have. And you're just, you're really experiencing all that God has for you. But again, it's a secret. And that secret is consistency. And did you ever notice that the Lord had to go through that as well? This is who it's talking about. He awakens me morning by morning. The name of the game, if you want to be a winner, is consistency. Woo, praise the Lord. You have to, you have to, you have to work with God's system. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Show up. Not, not, not just for the game. Not just for the exam. Show up every day with the Lord in consistency in your devotional life. And then when these things hit, praise God. Amen. You're in control. You're in control. Praise God. Because the Lord's with you and the devil. You know who you know he's defeated. And he, he already knows it. He already knows it. But you know it, and you walk in the reality of it, and you go through again, from victory to victory, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Please lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now, should any be in the midst of a battle, I pray that you take them through. Thank you, Father God, if there's any adjustments, any tweaking or fine-tuning that they need to make. Let your Holy Spirit work with them right now on their spiritual engine so that they are putting out maximum horsepower. We thank you, Father God, you're going to get them over. You're going to get them through. And we thank you that you're taking them on to victory. I thank you, Father, for the miracles you are working in their lives. I thank you for the breakthroughs that are happening all around them. I give you praise. I thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.
And amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray this prayer. And as you pray it from your heart, Jesus will save you right where you're at. Also, if you're watching me today and you used to walk with God, but you have fallen away from the Lord, you need to rededicate your life to Christ right now. Praise God. Get right with God today. Okay? So if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer also. All right. Pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I fully surrender my life to you. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Jesus, step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. I give myself completely to you. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Praise God. The Lord has heard that prayer, and He has saved your soul. He has restored your soul. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Today, let's take Holy Communion, because the Lord is good. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, any test or trial, let me say it even, let me, let me, let me refine it even more. Any trouble that would come into your life, and everybody experiences it from time to time. Nobody's immune to it. The, 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 the individual named trouble shows up at everybody's house sooner or later. There is no residence there is no private island. There is no place that you can go where he will not eventually have your address and drop by. But if you will follow these principles that we've talked about today, you will actually find that you can make trouble your servant. And that trial or that difficulty will just bring more glory to God and will bring more spiritual enlightenment and spiritual education to you. And on you go. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, so let's take Holy Communion together. Thank you, Lord. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it and set it apart as being holy through this prayer. And Father, we thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, let us also receive, let us receive his consistency, his steadiness to be there every morning so that his ears could be opened. We thank you, Father. Let us walk in his footsteps. We give you praise for consistency. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus, his mighty cleansing and protective power. Thank you, Father. We forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We forgive them. We bless them. And we go on as we continue on our journey to heaven. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Thank you for the blood of Jesus, for health and strength and prosperity, a sound mind. Thank you, Father, for an evangelistic heart to lead others to the Lord. 
We thank you, Father God, for making our lives count. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood. Praise God. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Somebody is being delivered right now from the depression. You have felt like something like a dark cloud, but it's much heavier than that. It's been like right here, like hovering right here off of your forehead. And I command that to leave in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. I shatter and break that the spirit of depression, that spirit of heaviness comes off of you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, let the sun shine through your glory. Let it shine through now upon them. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Somebody, you've been taking medication, but it's caused you to have some side effects. One of those is. Um, and this is not a spirit of, of, of depression, which is what I just ministered. This is different. This is affecting your blood pressure. And this is causing you to be very sad, like almost depressed or sad. But it's because of the medication you've been taking. So I just pray right now, Father, that that person, that individual, this these side effects. Father, the doctors have said, or the doctor said that this person needs this, this drug but Father, I pray against the side effects in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would do a miracle in their body, and that you would bring healing into their body, and that you would cause their body to begin to function normal, even to the surprise of the doctor. And I thank you for the doctor even seeing that the person does not need that medication anymore, because something has happened that they don't need it anymore. Well, Father, we thank you. We know what has happened. Your power has touched that person. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Glory. Glory. Somebody, you're being healed in your back. You feel fire on your uh, back. It's all in the center and the upper part of your back. God's touching you right now. If you need a, a back miracle, receive that anointing right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, receive your healing. God's setting you free right now. Glory. Glory. There have been those you've had uh, somebody with a sports injury. Your back is being healed right now. Just begin to move it around. Move it around. Praise God. Stretch it out. Begin to move around and look what God has done. Lift your hands and begin to praise Him. Now, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. Somebody, you're watching me and you've, you, you pretty much really did a number on your lungs with smoking. And you know it. And you think, I can't breathe properly. And you're concerned about the longevity of your life. And it's because you used to smoke a lot. But I see that you're not, you don't smoke anymore. But this is the repercussions of something that you did earlier. God sees that you have, that you have repented. And you, of course, you've turned from that. And I want to pray for you. God's going to heal your lungs. God's going to heal you right now. Father, I pray for that person, former smoker, and that they've done damage to their, to their lungs. Be healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in your lungs right now. Take a deep breath in. Breathe in and let it out. Again, breathe in. Woo! 
and let it out. I thank you, Father. Your power is working. One more time, breathe in and let it out in the name of Jesus. Somebody is being healed of a sinus infection right now. Glory, glory, glory. You're from Asia, somewhere in Asia. Hallelujah. Somebody in Singapore is being healed of a nasal sinus infection. Be healed in the name of Jesus. And that person that God's working on your lungs, God's healing you and you will live your life out. You will not have asthma. I rebuke asthma in the name of Jesus. Loose that person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let us lift our hands to the Lord. Give God praise. Father, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you are a merciful and loving God. We thank you for what you've done today. And Father, we give you all of the praise. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, the anointing is here. God's presence is here. As I say goodbye to you for now, let the Holy Spirit continue to minister to you in those areas where you have need. Amen. Thank you for watching. Stay in faith. I'll see you back next time.